everybody welcome back to another episode of woe is media you got Alyssa and annabelle here we're back with more stories we're going to talk about what went on in the big bad world of media and business this week Alyssa, how you doing and what have you got for us i'm tired but i'm here and today we're going to be talking about why am i not on my notes here they are we are talking about a recent announcement of a cast list of a movie coming out soon that's a lot of words but we're gonna have words about it okay and we also have a slight little recap of an award show that has been prolonged for a while now but it finally happened this past weekend the tony awards Ooh, okay i thought maybe you were gonna recap the emmys and what happened there but I, I like the Tonys. We don't talk about Broadway a ton on our show. So exactly. And why give more press to that white ass ceremony? So fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> Alyssa was not a big fan of a lot of the winners of the Emmys. She felt like people of color were severely underrepresented in the awards. Because which, they were. Because I agree. Yes. That <laughs> I mean, everyone who won was like deserving, but it was very well, most of the time. There there are a couple of sus ones in my opinion, but there, yeah, there was some. A lot of a lot of white winners and i'm not sure. saying that like all winners were white but every single acting category was mm-hmm. taken home by a, by a white person and as Correct. we all know the people on camera usually get paid and receive more attention than the people behind the scenes right because duh that's what everyone sees so <laughs> Um, I have kind of a big, more deep dive story for us this week. It's about Facebook and there's some serious, um, scandalous stuff going on in Silicon Valley at Facebook headquarters. Um, there was a big bombshell investigation that went on. Um, so we're going to get into that. It's pretty exciting stuff. So a little, little bit of true crime combined with some, the business world today. So Alyssa's all about it. Did anyone die? Uh, no deaths, but there is some human trafficking. Oh, once mm-hmm. again, because Annabelle and I are fans of true crime, that does not mean we condone violence of any sort. Correct. But obviously, an interesting story is an interesting story. So I look forward to that. Actually, there might be some death involved. We'll get into that later. So my first story today is entitled, and it gives the script away. Super Mario Woes. Super Mario Woes. Okay. Have you heard about this? Mm-mm. Oh boy. Okay. So, Nintendo creative director, as well as the creator of many famous video games such as Mario, Legend of Zelda, Donkey Kong, um, he does it all. His name is Shigeru Miyamoto. He announced the voice cast of the upcoming animated Super Mario Brothers movie during a recent Nintendo Direct event. I believe it happened mid last week. Mm-hmm. I, I believe that's when I first saw it pop up on my Twitter. This is the third feature film adaptation of the video game character following 1986's Super Mario Brothers, The Great Mission to Rescue Princess Peach. That's the entire title. Take it in. It's a, it's a long title. And it was also made in Japan, so I don't believe it was released to an American market at the same volume as it would if it was released today. And then for, I'm not going to, call myself a gamer but i divulge i know about gaming news and whatnot 
and mm. I I play every now and then, but I'm not like a tried and true gamer. But for those of us who are familiar with gaming history, everyone remembers the 1993 live action Super Mario Brothers. Yeah, um, I'm gonna punt to you on this one because I don't know anything. But Alyssa claims she's not a gamer. She literally wants a Switch for her birthday so she can play Mario Kart. So you ain't fooling anybody. I I am, but like you know, like. We always we always quantify and say like, oh, you're not a gamer if you only play that. And I don't believe in that. But at the same time, like I do kind of feel that I fit into that category because my favorite game is like Mario Kart. I grew up playing like Street Fighter and Tekken and Mortal Kombat. But like I don't play as much, but I know about the stuff. So in 1993, Super Mario Brothers, the live action version, it took place, I believe, in like a weird New York City, like real life version. But there were like Goombas and stuff walking around and it starred Bob Hoskins and John Leguizamo as the titular Super Mario Brothers. It was terrible. It is considered one of the worst films ever made. It did not get good reviews in any type of sort. So, and it kind of, I don't want to say it started it, but it definitely didn't give a good reputation for video game movies moving forward. And that reputation kind of is still going on to this day. Like I know a Mm -hmm. lot of people had feelings about the newest adaptation of the Mortal Kombat movie, which also had a 90s adaptation, which in my opinion is a camp classic, but- I digress. Anyways, the new movie, the one that's cast just got announced, is scheduled to be released December 21st, 2022. So we're about a year out. And the voice cast for the film is already receiving backlash, most notably from me. Um, (laughs) The only opinion that matters. And I would just like to say before we get into the actual cast list, this is my opinion. The actual voice talent is being wasted on background roles in favor of A-list celebrities taking the major roles. And I know this isn't really a controversial yet brave opinion, but I feel like we don't talk about it enough. Talent in live action acting, in my opinion, does not equal talent in voice acting. Sure. Yeah, you have to be a very animated individual in order to make it big in voice acting. Like we think of like, Robin Williams, Dan Castellaneta, Mel Blanc, Tress McNeil, Gray Delisle. These are all people that if you watched a lot of cartoons as a child and you looked at the credits on Wikipedia like I did, you know these names. You're like, oh, yes. And just you have to be a special kind of person to thrive in voice acting. So with that being said, let me tell you all about the cast list of the upcoming Super Mario Brothers movie. I'm excited. Playing... Mario, Chris Pratt. No, oh, thank you. My my reaction exactly. I'm not happy. That's literally a bullet point in my notes. I'm not happy. Um, Charles Martinet, who has been the voice of Mario and Luigi, as well as other characters in the franchise since the 1990s, will supposedly be making surprise. Ca- cameos in the film but my question is since it's an animated movie why is he still not voicing the character yeah like he's obviously still alive and kicking yeah can he not reprise his role i guess they want to have it for like a fresher version you know have maybe a younger cast with people a little more current to 
this generation, but I, yeah, Chris Pratt sucks. And he does not have a distinct voice enough. He to doesn't. Voice actor. That's the problem. Yeah. He sounds like every generic white man. Like, right. Yeah. And once again, like you, you saying like, oh, we need to pertain to the younger audiences. Younger audiences still recognize the voice of Charles Martinet. They may not know him by name, but they're like, it's a me, a Mario, like that. Like, you know, that's right yeah, here. That makes sense though, because it's a very distinct, like. I don't know. Mario has his sayings and quirks, and we all know that. Yahoo! Like, come on, guys. Like, let's let's be let's make let's make smart decisions here, shall we? Because of the comment I made at the beginning of this story, I went back and I did research about how many voice acting roles everyone in the cast list has had. And these numbers that I'm going to share with you do not include this movie. Okay. Chris Pratt has nine voice acting credits to his name, the majority of which were in video games. Um, many, many voicing like Peter Quill from Guardians of the Galaxy, like the video right. game version of that. So it's like, he's just playing himself. Mm-hmm. I'm surprised he has that many, but yeah, if Guardians of the Galaxy, there would be video games and stuff based off that film. So makes a little bit of sense, but... Yeah, he wasn't like the raccoon or Groot in that movie. So so that's that that's the one that I have the most problem is. The next one we have is Luigi. You may not know this person by name, but if I showed you a picture of them, you may know them. Charlie Day. I'll Google them. Because I'm not familiar off the top of my head with Charlie Day. Think of It's Always Sunny. Oh, yeah, that guy. Yes, yes, exactly. That guy. Charlie from Always Sunny. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I forget that his their names are pretty much the same. Mm. I'm fine with this. Charlie Day is a much more animated person in real in real life. Like I know him personally in his roles, I should say, than Chris Pratt. So I'm fine with this. I'm okay with it. He has eight voice acting credits to his name fine my favorite thing about charlie day is like the conspiracy theory the meme. meme with the red strings where he's like got the crazy eyes like this is how everything ties together i know it's like no one really talks about the film anymore because kevin spacey was in it but horrible bosses he mm-hmm. was one of the main guys in horrible bosses i that was the first time i had ever seen him act before i watched it's always sunny i thought he was hysterical in that so <laughs> i like i'm fine with him Next up, this one's for you, Annabelle. We have Princess Peach, Anya Taylor-Joy. Wow, okay. Yeah, we. I mean, we love her and like she... Wait, okay. This is, just to confirm, a animated film, right? Correct, yes. That's like a waste of her beauty. Thank you, that's <laughs> To what just I have said. her as a voice actor. I mean, I'm all for actors trying to do you know, different things. Like if she hasn't done any voice acting or much of it before, maybe she wants to, you know, mix it up a little bit, but I don't know. That seems like an odd, an odd hire to me. She's got one voice acting credit other than this film. And I can't remember what it was for, but yeah, I was just like, that, that is not against her. Like, I feel like her talents lie in live action film not because she is stunning but just the way that she emotes 
I feel yeah. really plays to her strengths. Every single article that I read about this whole voice casting situation used that picture of her. I believe it's from Khan from this year of the pink dress and the pink beret. Mm-hmm. Because it's like, oh, it's Princess Peach. Let's find a picture of her in pink. So, I mean, fine. she could maybe look like Princess Peach if they were going to do a long or excuse mm-hmm. me, a live action version. But for an animated film. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, I don't want to say you could have gotten anybody, but like. You could have gotten anybody with the distinct voice. It doesn't really matter what they look like. Yeah, her voice is not recognizable to me. I don't believe if like someone played me like three different voices and was like, pick out Anya Taylor-Joy, I don't believe I'd be able to pick her out. Okay, so now we're getting to where I believe the true voice acting talent lies. And obviously these characters are just as important as the three main characters, but they, they play a back burner to the brothers and the princess we have bowser jack black yes that makes sense to me that no literally the bullet point the first one says this makes the most logical sense bowser's the villain correct he's the giant koopa and jack black is i mean it's hard to find somebody much more animated than him so that that makes sense to me i'm sure he's got pretty extensive voice acting experience he has 23 voice acting credits to his name There we go. Double digits. Also, for those of you who may not know, um, but I'm pretty sure that many people know by this point, Jack Black has his own gaming channel on YouTube with his son. Go check it out. It's called Jablinski Games. I believe he just hit like a million subscribers. I'm going to do some research. I'm not subscribed to him, but every now and then I check in on him because I just, I adore that man. I think he's wholesome. He has 4.9 million is it like Twitch? Does he like stream games they play? Or I believe he discuss? I believe he streams every now and then, but most of the time it's just him doing whatever whatever he wants. He plays games and sometimes he does like live action stuff. Gotcha. So he's a fun dude. But yeah, he's at 4.9 million with his son. So pretty good. Get him to five mil, guys. Okay, next we have Donkey Kong, and I laughed when I read this name because it it, it makes so much sense. Seth Rogen. Boom. Boom, baby. Boom, baby. Again, he he just like, I, I don't know how to say this without being rude, but like he makes sense to play a giant monkey. No, I mean, it's like a vibe, right? Like, he it doesn't is a necessarily vibe. look like a monkey, but, like... He gives off the vibe of He Donkey gives Kong. off the vibes of Donkey Kong. Like, it just... Especially, know, man. especially in, like, Mario games. Yeah. Like, like, Donkey Kong always gives off the vibe of, like, I'm the crazy party guy, let's go! And, like, in his own games, obviously, he's great, too. I forgot to mention that at the beginning, too. I played a hell of a ton of donkey kong country and its uh sequels back in the day donkey kong country was probably my favorite video game growing up all right love some donkey kong country next we have toad and this one didn't make sense to me but the 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 man being cast in a voice acting role makes sense if that means anything Mm -hmm. the the character just doesn't match up we have toad keegan michael key Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he does have that distinct voice, but yeah, I'm with you. I wouldn't have put him in a, a toad necessarily, but 
I literally sat there and tried to picture Keegan Michael Key with the Toad voice, like, "Hey, everybody!" Like, like, just like it doesn't. Mm, I don't know, but he has twenty five voice acting credits. So he's experienced. He knows what he's doing here. Also, I don't know if I said how many Seth Rogen has. Seth Rogen has twenty two. So once again, the lower part of the cast yeah. has more experience. Next, we have Cranky Kong, who many people may not be familiar with unless you play the Donkey Kong games. He's like the elderly member of the Kong family who usually sends DK and Diddy out on their missions and whatnot. Mm -hmm. Fred Armisen. Okay. Yeah, it gets like better as you keep naming names. Exactly. It's like, because honestly, at first when I read it, I was like, Fred Armisen. But then I looked at his filmography and whatnot and i forgot he's like a main character not main character but he's a main voice role on like big mouth too like i forget where i hear his yeah. voice all the time and i'm like oh yeah fred armison and he's funny so oh, he's yeah i mean i feel like these like kind of stinks that they're all men but like of i guess course. It's the nature of mario yeah but, um all the all the actors that you've named recently they're all like known for a lot of their comedic work mm-hmm so it, it seems to be a little bit more fitting here. And Fred Armisen has 40 voice acting credits to his name. Woohoo, carrying the team. At 40 or over 40. Honestly, I lost count, I believe. I believe. Okay, so next we have Kamek, who is the, he's, he's the wizard guy, like in Super Mario three i believe he's the guy that sits on the cloud and like tries to like cast spells he's definitely in super mario world i believe but i I'll think he's also, i think he's also in super mario 3 i played a lot of super mario world 2 when i was little i'm just trying to like prove to myself that i am a gamer at this point um you may not know this voice or you may not know this name but you definitely know his voice this man's name is kevin michael richardson and he's pretty much evil guy throughout our childhood oh really okay yes like do you remember gantu from lilo and stitch yeah that deep voice that's kevin michael richardson okay and he's been in i'm trying to think of like other thing notable things that he's done um he voiced characters in mortal Kombat. he was in uh the matrix revolutions he's he does voices for like family guy and american dad sometimes mm -hmm. he's been on teen titans he was in the simpsons at one point uh, there's so many roles like skulker from danny phantom if anyone remembers that character that's kevin michael richardson too all right so we love kevin michael richardson he is a seasoned voice actor like that is his role he he i think he's done live action work but voice acting is his gig he has mm -hmm. over 50 credits to his name all right and in my opinion he's being wasted on a background role yeah I uh that's probably true. I have to wonder what the budget is for this movie because these are like big I'll look it up. This is a I'll, big talent pool here. I'll drop the name. Let me look for real quick. Where the hell? Like I understand maybe you get paid a little bit less for voice acting compared to standard live action acting because it's not your image so much as it is just obviously your voice. But I mean, these are all like very notable actors or voice actors. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to find so I it. feel like they probably charge a lot for their services. It's not listed on Wikipedia just yet. I'm checking IMDb. Do, 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 do. 
do 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 had to bring it back to money i'm sorry no it's okay what's the budget <laughs> i'm not seeing one listed but i'll i'll keep an eye out for it, it this movie doesn't even have a title yet it's still known as untitled mario film so hmm. okay so early stages yes yes like we're still a, a over a year out from the release so i'm sure they're still in like pre-production mm-hmm. um but last but not least we have Spike, who I thought was like a relatively new character, but apparently he's been around since the beginning. I believe in like super the most recent edition of Mario Party, he's green and he has like a blue shell. I don't okay. know how to describe him. His his Spike, he's Spike. Um, and his I I'm not familiar with this man outside of this. His name is Sebastian Maniscalco. Okay. And he has one other voice acting credit to his name. And I'm searching him again so I can see if he's been in anything that we're familiar with. Oh, okay. Uh, He had supporting roles in both Green Book and The Irishman. Okay. So he's got some some award winners attached to his resume. Mm -hmm. As well as the nut job, Nutty by Nature, back in 2017. Uh-huh. Nut buns. And, and honestly, that scene, uh, he has his own comedy specials, so that's that's a good sign. But yeah, he yeah. doesn't have many uh, um, voice acting credits to his name. So yeah, that's just how I feel about this. You know, I feel like the talent could have been placed at a higher higher level, but it's, it's okay because I don't believe I'll be going to see this movie. <laughs> Yeah, that's fair. I don't think I will either, but I enjoyed learning about the cast and talking about it. So thanks, Alyssa. You're welcome. Is that all you got on Mario? Yes. All right. Let's let's get into some online true crime here. I'm ready to be torn apart, just like I was last night during Squid Game. Woo. <laughs> okay, so this story is called Facebook's Flaw-Filled Follies, which is a lot of alliteration. But uh, there's a lot going on here. So the Wall Street Journal, specifically their podcast that they do in production with another company called Gimlet, it's called The Journal. They release kind of like 20 minute stories about money and business and sometimes like international politics and stuff like that. They release it like every weekday afternoon. I've been listening to it for like the better part of 2021. It's just like a good it's not like, oh, here's everything you need to know about the news. It's just like one isolated thing. So much to my surprise, when I opened Spotify to listen to the journal, as I do every afternoon, um, they had a couple of episodes that they dropped called The Facebook Files. And I was like, what is this? And I started listening. And they're, it's a five-part series. They've only released the first four parts thus far. So TBD on what happens in part five, but the first four parts are like enough to talk about. So we'll get into this, but basically the whole purpose of the investigative series that the wall street journal released is that there has been so much harm that goes on on Facebook's platform and they know about it. Mm -hmm. And there's been so little that they've done or so little that they've done effectively to stop it. So there are kind of four primary flaws here that Facebook has got going on that have caused okay. some serious issues. Call and them we're out. Gonna, we're going to get into kind of 
each one individually. So the first is that there's like a VIP list on Facebook of around like 6 million people who don't have to abide by Facebook's rules or standards at all. I heard about this actually. Yeah. It's called the white list. Like if you're black. Oh, that doesn't. <laughs> yeah. It, it has nothing to do with race so much as the fact that like, oh, if you're blacklisted, you like, you know, you'll never be able to go on Facebook or work in this town or whatever, you know, it has like oh. negative connotations, like you're banned essentially, but a white list is like, you got all the green lights. All we couldn't time. come up with a better name, like highlighter yellow list. Yeah, man. I don't know. That's just what it was <laughs> called. But, um, so that's the first one. We'll get into that. Um, the second one is the fact that Instagram has been, so friendly reminder, if you don't remember, um, Facebook purchased Instagram, I believe it was in 2012 or so when that happened. Um, so Instagram is under their umbrella. Facebook also owns, uh, WhatsApp and obviously like Facebook messenger and a couple of other like smaller tech companies, but those are kind of the big ones that are under their umbrella. So Instagram it promotes hypersexualized images of women and it causes major body and self-esteem issues in young girls. Correct. One in three young girls say they have experienced negative body image issues as a result of Instagram. One in three. I'm not surprised by that at all. I'm not surprised by that at all either, but it's depressing regardless. Um, Correct. The third flaw that they've got going on here is in 2018, they decided to tweak the algorithm. I think we can all remember, well- at least people around Alyssa and his age can remember when that happened because things like did start to change on social media and everybody started blaming like the algorithm for getting less likes and stuff like that. But um, the algorithm is actually rage inducing. And I don't mean that in a dramatic way. Like it literally promotes content with the purpose of making you angry. And we'll get into why. Um, oh my God, it's making so much more sense now. Right? Yeah. So that's an issue. And then the fourth thing that they got going on here is Facebook is used in developing countries for drug trafficking and human trafficking. Oh, (laughs) really snazzy. Yeah. So that's not even really a flaw. That's just like, oh man, like that's so legal internationally. I was about to say. (laughs) So like flaw is not the right word for that, but that's a crime. (laughs) Figure out a way to encapsulate it somehow. Um, But yeah, they they flagged all this activity, but they didn't actually do much about it. So we're going to get into a little bit of a deep dive about each of those kind of four bullet points. Um, But before we get into that, so Facebook has completely shifted their PR strategy and it's completely garbage. Like, I don't understand like who came up with this, but their PR strategy, they're calling it Project Amplify. And basically what they're going to do is whenever there's negative news that is circulated about Facebook or if it's getting like bad headlines or something like that, they're not going to like defend themselves. They're going to go on the offensive and they're going to flood like Facebook and Instagram news feeds with positive content about Facebook and Instagram. So they're using their platform to spam everybody with their own propaganda (laughs) to support themselves in times of dire need i hate everything isn't that ridiculous though like that just sounds like some dictator stuff not to be dramatic but like that's not even the first thing that came to my mind it sounds like a child 
you know, that's like, I don't want to hear any negative critiques about myself. I'm perfect. I don't need to hear anything negative. They're just deflecting. And then they're like, oh, don't listen to that guy. Listen to us. Let, let us spam you with positive Facebook content. And it's like crummy because they control the algorithm. So they can obviously do this. And there's not much anybody can do to stop them if we're being honest. So I don't know. That's a little icky in my opinion, using your own platform to, I don't know, like I, just ick. I, I'm, not, I'm not a fan. There's a lot of like moral ambiguity stuff going on here. A lot of gray areas and a lot of black and white areas, which are really bad. Um, and speaking of black and white, let's get into the white list. So highlighter, yellow list, highlighter, yellow list as Alyssa calls it. So there are certain VIPs on Facebook and Instagram that do not have to follow Facebook's policies and standards. Sometimes they are like partially exempt. Sometimes they're fully exempt. And what this really means in action is that if any of the people on this list, if they post something that goes against Facebook or Instagram's standards, if like Alyssa or I posted that, it would be taken down immediately. Some admin from Facebook would probably message us and be like, uh uh-uh. like you're not doing this anymore sometimes your account would get suspended for a little while if it's repeated behavior and bad enough you could get banned from the platform entirely like they have the power to do that um but the people on this list if they post something like really bad or offensive then it will not get taken down and they're not going to get banned or suspended from the platform at all um so obviously there's a lot of stuff that goes on facebook and with all the content that gets posted, um, Facebook kind of has to rely on artificial intelligence to cross-check everything just to make sure it's all within standards. And when I'm talking about standards, I mean, they're looking for like harassment, they're looking for pornography, they're looking for any sort of like really serious bullying, any sort of insight to violence, wink, wink, we'll get into that later. Um but that's kind of what they're looking for. They don't want anything like that on the platform. Uh, they're, you know, there's probably gray areas about what you can say to whether or not it would get taken down or not. But generally speaking, those are kind of the big things that they're screening for. But because there's so much content, even with the AI, Facebook estimates that they mess up around 10% of the time. So when they were kind of looking into this, like, okay, how are we going to fix this? They decided that the only way to ensure that Facebook wasn't making bad enforcement calls on content being posted was to just not make them at all (laughs) on specific people oh yeah the this vip list that i'm talking about with six million people it's people with like massive followings so it's anywhere from like certain politicians like elizabeth warren is on there um conservative commentator candace owens is on there trump was on there before he got banned from the platform um Alyssa's. well you like pickles the pug don't you I love pickles. Do you like Doug the pug? Cause he's on this list. I love any pug, honestly. Okay. Like I'm a big fan. I, I'm a big fan of Boo the pug. Do you know Boo? Mm-hmm. Oh. I don't know Boo. I'll look him up. <gasps> you, you, I'm more of a golden retriever fan. You know this. Oh uh, yeah, you're right. I thought That's you what were. my TikTok feed is. It's golden retrievers. Mine is like French bulldogs, pugs, and like any k-pop artist like i was literally faces and literally i went through it this morning i was like wow my brand i love it it's a good brand um so yeah um doug the pug is on it so these are all these people who if they posted something and it were to get taken down there would be some backlash not only from 
the person themselves who obviously has a lot of clout, but all of their followers and stuff like that. So Facebook was like, screw it. We're just going to make a list where these people can kind of post whatever they want. And it's problematic because in theory, these people shouldn't be using their platform for negative things. And it's less of an issue with like artists and stuff like that. But they can also, but in politics or, you know, people with a lot of clout in the media, things like that, they can use Instagram and Facebook to post things like hate speech and incite the violence without it having taken down or have their account suspended because they're just on this automatic list. It should also be noted CEO Mark Zuckerberg is on the list. Of course he is. Of course he is. Yes. Not, not really surprising. So quick story about like an example of this kind of causing issues. So I wasn't familiar with him before I heard the story because I don't really follow international soccer, but there is a huge Brazilian soccer star named Neymar. I'm familiar. Okay. So he's like just ridiculously famous. He's got over a hundred million followers on Instagram yes. and on Facebook. Um, he kind of sexy. No lie. Well, you're not going to think that after this. So <gasps> no. a woman accused him of rape Oh, and there, there didn't end up being any charges there. So I don't know what happened legally with the fallout of that, like outside of Facebook. But what this man decided to do was once the accusations came out, he went on to Facebook and he went on to Instagram and he live streamed himself like talking about it. He was reading text messages from this woman and he was revealing her name and he showed like nude images of this woman that he that she had sent him. Oh, God, which is like revenge porn. Yeah, no, that's that's absolutely what that is. Which is a big fat no on Instagram and on Facebook. Like they don't normally tolerate that at all. But guess what? He was they, on the VIP list. So he could do whatever he wanted. So he could do whatever he wanted. Ew. Um, oh my so, god. I'm so sorry for saying he was attractive because no, honestly, okay. you I'm, didn't know. I didn't know, but now I'm looking back and I'm like, mm, he's not my type. So I don't know. Yeah, what. no, that's kind of I was a little surprised you said that, but because you don't normally find a lot of athletes attractive, I feel like. Mm, no, not really. Also, this whole thing about like live streaming, talking about it, it's very Shane Dawson. Like, do you remember yeah, that? I do. Like with the whole like Tati Westbrook thing. And he mm-hmm. literally like live streamed himself for two minutes being like, she's a liar. She's a liar. Rolling his eyes at like her saying how she's had panic attacks and whatnot. And it's like, mm-hmm. you're, you're digging your grave. You're digging yeah. your own grave, sir. Yeah. So not the best method anyway. Um, yeah. But yeah, to show revenge porn on your platform, like that's awful. This poor woman was like embarrassed and completely harassed online by all of the Neymar stands who were like, how dare you accuse him of rape? Like you, I'm not going to say the, the S word, but you know, shaming her for, oh, yes. uh, sorry, shaming her for sending him nude pictures, which, you know, I'm sure she was a consenting adult in that I would hope. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so. And even if she's a consenting adult, she didn't consent for him to post them all over and be like, hey, look at this. Like through his hundred million followers. Yeah, yeah. no, she definitely Crazy. did not consent to that. Um, so, you know, there's little Facebook employees behind the scenes who are obviously monitoring things on a day-to-day basis. And they saw this and they're like, oh crap. Like this is Neymar's account. Like we got to take this down. It doesn't matter if it's Neymar. So they tried to remove the post of him, you know, revealing the revenge porn and Facebook system blocked it because he was on the whitelist. 
So they were like, not just take him off. Because he was on the white list. But can't you be taken off the white list? You said Trump got banned. Like, yeah, you can, but the system blocked it. And I guess this person didn't have enough authority. So it did get escalated and the post was finally eventually removed. But Neymar is like still very much on Facebook and Instagram. And what's worse about all of this is not only is that kind of content like allowed to be posted by people on this list is that the algorithm is going to promote this content because of their fame. So over 16 billion people, or excuse me, only over 16 billion views have like occurred on content that should have been taken down just by people on this list. Mm. So very negative stuff, 16 billion views. That's obviously like incredible visibility. So yeah, hate speech, violence, revenge porn, like all of that stuff has happened on whitelist accounts before. And as we know, with the January 6th Capitol riot, there was a big kind of problem because there's a lot of use of WhatsApp and Facebook to kind of get the plan together to go to the Capitol and storm the building. And we know that this was kind of due to an insight to violence because former president Trump was talking about marching down to the Capitol and how he would go with them and how to stop the steal and things like that. And obviously Trump was not the only person involved with that. There were other people as well who were kind of promoting the fact that the election had been stolen, even though it was not. Um, so but yeah, your election in American history. Absolutely. So yeah, there is, it's definitely been used to incite violence. Um, in 2019, the white list was, or the yellow highlighter list was internally reviewed. And the findings basically showed like how out of control it was. There's too many people. These people were not posting things that were in accordance with Facebook guidelines. Um, and it was going to cause a major breach in trust with other Facebook users on the platform. So finally, Facebook blocked any additional names from being added. So if you're trying to get added to the whitelist, sorry, you missed the boat. Um, but yeah, and they're kind of working to remove total exemption, which basically means that probably a lot of these people will still have partial exemption from what they're allowed to post. Six million is still a lot of accounts to review. So I honestly don't have a lot of um, hope for this, but yeah, it kind of pays to be famous if you're going to be on a platform like that. And, but if you have all that power to quote Spider-Man, all that power comes with responsibility, right? That was uncle Ben, excuse you. Oh, the movie (laughs) Spider-Man. I know it was uncle Ben. (laughs) <laughs> i'm not that dumb okay. <laughs> sorry so, that is the facebook whitelist and that was one of the episodes that was covered kind of in this bombshell investigative piece interesting that was kind of the longest one um the other ones i don't want to say they're more obvious but like they're probably ones we've experienced a little bit more um so the second is how instagram is kind of exacerbating body image issues so it's studies have shown that instagram causes negative effects on teens mental health um, especially for teen girls, it Water's makes wet. Yeah. Instagram makes body image issues worse for one in three teen girls. So a third of teenage girls have body image issues as a result of Facebook or excuse me, Facebook and Instagram, I guess I should say mostly Instagram. Cause that's a more popular app with younger users versus Facebook, which we know our parents enjoy. Um, <laughs> so out of all users surveyed, so they, they did kind of like a, a focus group with some teens in the US and in the UK. And some of them sadly reported issues, or not issues, excuse me, uh, suicidal thoughts. 
13% of UK users in this survey and 6% of US users in this survey said that they had suicidal thoughts traced to an origin of Instagram. So basically like what was on Instagram and how they felt using the platform, it pushed them far enough to where they potentially thought about ending their own life, mm-hmm. which is obviously extremely sad. And I'm sorry, I should have put a trigger warning on this before I we can don't worry, we can do that. Started talking about it. Um but yeah, that's obviously really, really horrible that Instagram is driving people to that level of desperation. There's a lot of like constant comparison on Instagram, which we know about. It's very like, it's kind of an app where you show your highlight reel as opposed to maybe like if you're going to use social media. Yeah. Like Snapchat, sometimes it's a little bit more fun or it's like direct conversations with people or it's like, oh, like, look at us, like, or you put goofy filters on or something like that. TikTok is more like performance-based because it's like, oh, like, let's do this dance or something like that. And obviously you can use TikTok and Snapchat for like, you know, things similar to Instagram, but Instagram in general- whatever you want. You can do whatever you want. Yeah. But generally speaking, Instagram is known as like the beautiful beautification app, like all the filters on there kind of trying to help you show yourself in a better light, so to speak things like that. So the constant comparison is definitely an issue and it's led to a lot of anxiety and depression in teenagers, especially in teenage girls. Um, And with all this research that Facebook did internally, like when they were surveying those teens in the UK and the US, they didn't make an announcement about it. They didn't do any sort of warnings. They didn't try and tell people to like limit screen time for their teenagers because obviously parents like maybe didn't necessarily know that their kid was depressed as a result of Instagram, but that's- Or they didn't care and they didn't want to actually parent their child. Yeah, that as well. But Facebook didn't make any sort of announcement about it. And what's unfortunate about this whole thing is like how you feel about your body and how you feel about yourself is obviously a deeply personal thing. And it's it sucks that Facebook and Instagram are like exacerbating the problem, but there's- I don't mean this in like, oh, I'm defending Facebook way, but because it kind of comes down to the individual, there's no clear cut solution for it. Because at the end of the day, it's about like how you feel about your own body and your experience on these apps. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, it does. Because like, and at the end of the day, like Facebook is claiming that social comparison is just an industry issue in social media. It's not necessarily just on Instagram, but it's certainly the worst on Instagram. And we all know that. Mm-hmm. Um, so they've kind of looked into a lot of tools, things like, oh, trying to get maybe teens to limit their screen time a little bit more, like potential PSA campaigns to parents about trying to limit screen time, stuff like that. Um, and Facebook and Instagram, they don't want to do anything that keeps people off the platform. They want people on the platform for as long as possible and as often as possible, because that's how they make their money. So they kind of rejected a lot of potential options for this. But one tool that we've noticed that Instagram has added to kind of help with the self-esteem and the body image issues is it's giving users the option to remove like counts on a post, which is good because it, it makes the popularity, I guess, of somebody a little bit less quantifiable. Obviously, some people are going to keep it on, but if you don't want other people to see how many likes you've gotten on a post, you can turn that off, which is nice. It's supposed to help make Instagram a little bit less toxic and a little bit less about social comparison. So are you familiar with that tool? 
I did not know that was a thing because honestly, I'm using Instagram a lot less than I was in college because my life is not that interesting anymore. I'm not going out as much. And I love that because I can't count how many times like I've talked to a person, including myself. Yes, Mm -hmm. I talked to myself and they've been like, I'm going to delete this post because it didn't get that many likes. And it's like, that shouldn't be the point of you sharing it, you know? And like, once again, I'm, I'm talking to myself too, you know, you're posting because you want people to like, see these exciting moments in your life. Not just so like, not just for a like, I should say. Yeah, exactly. Like if it's an update, if it's just, if maybe you were feeling yourself, like whatever the reason. I've had friends in the past be like, my post isn't doing well. Can you go like it? And it's like, first of all, I already liked it. Second of all, it's not that deep. I, I will admit to, to have done that before. I was not referring to you, but go off, sis. <laughs> Sorry. I, uh, I'm with you. I use Instagram less more now than in college. I, I wouldn't say, well, I guess my life is a little bit less exciting because I'm not dressing up and like you said, going out as much, but most of the time I just forget to take pictures. Like, yeah, no, like, show. It, like it happened, the pictures but... I take are like at museum exhibits. Like my last two posts have been at the museums that I've gone to. And mm-hmm. like, it doesn't feel appropriate anymore to be like, Ooh, take my picture, you know? Yeah. Cause like we're you. there to appreciate this art, not the art that is my face. We can do that later. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> well said. So we'll get into the third kind of flaw of Facebook here. So the outrage algorithm. Oh, so as I said, the algorithm on Facebook was changed in 2018 because user engagement on the site was dropping really fast and Facebook didn't know why. And what I mean when I say user engagement, people were still spending plenty of time on the website or on the app, but they weren't engaging with content, like they weren't liking, they weren't commenting, they weren't sharing, they weren't sending it in messenger to people, stuff like that. They were just kind of passively scrolling. And Facebook was like, oh, crud. Like if these people are on our app and on our website and they're not actually interacting with anything, they're going to be like, oh, like, what is the point? Mm -hmm. They're, you know, if they, or if they feel themselves like endlessly scrolling, if they catch themselves and be like, oh, this is stupid. Like, this is bad for me. I'm going to get off. And as I said, with the body image issue, Facebook is not going to do anything that keeps users or that motivates users to get off the platform. They want people on there for as long as possible because that's how they make their money. It's all about the bottom line, people. So Facebook did not want their users to become passive. So they decided to completely overhaul the algorithm. And they did this by focusing on something called meaningful social interactions, aka MSI. So this is a metric of how much a post is interacted with, along with how close to you are the people that are interacting with it. So closeness, meaning like how often you interact with them on the platform, like how many mutual friends or followers you have, things like that. So Mm -hmm. it would be a measure of that, along with like how many likes, comments, reshares are you getting on it? Um, with more of an emphasis on how much people are interacting with it versus the closeness thing. The closeness is kind of secondary. So basically they re- overhauled the algorithm to kind of focus on MSI. 
And MSI going up was kind of the goal of this new algorithm. They really wanted people to engage more on the platform. And it doesn't necessarily show people what they want to see. It shows them something that they are likely to interact with, either in a positive way or a negative way. So you would just as likely be shown somebody, be shown a picture of somebody's engagement as you are somebody showing some political article about the Texas abortion ban, you know, something like that. Like it leads to things that are very divisive that are being highlighted because those are the things people are going to interact with. If it's just like, oh, I made chicken Parmesan for dinner. And somebody posted that as like a status, like who cares? That's not divisive. That's, are you going to like that? Maybe if you feel obligated to, but you're probably like Facebook's not your diary and then keep scrolling. Right. It is for some people. It is for some people, but that's not really what Facebook wants to show you. They're going to show you what they think you're going to interact with. So, and that tends to be the scary stuff, the toxic stuff. That's fair. So it created much more of a toxic environment on Facebook and specifically with MSI, there's something called downstream MSI Okay. and that pushes content to your feed if it thinks the engagement on that content will be higher. So, you know, even if I interact with Alyssa on Instagram every day, I'm more likely to see someone's article about the Texas abortion ban than I am a picture of her at the museum, just because it thinks I'm more likely to interact with that versus, even though I would obviously like Alyssa's pictures, I always do, but I always like animals. (laughs) So, and a lot of news sources, like CEO of BuzzFeed, Jonah Peretti, he like called out Facebook by name and complained that because of the new algorithm, news sources have said that they've had to write divisive content because that's the only way it's going to get read. They've had to write this like clickbait kind of stuff because Facebook and Instagram control so much of the information flow on the internet that BuzzFeed and other news sources don't write things. They, they basically had to play into the algorithm in yeah. order to get any views. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. So that's, it's been a big issue. And this is again, kind of going back to the Capitol riot, like the reason so many people saw this stuff on Facebook about going to the Capitol on January 6th is because like the algorithm would be promoting it. And that's why so many people saw like the revenge porn that Neymar posted on his account and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So Facebook says that potentially, well, Facebook didn't say this, but some of the employees who did investigative work on this within Facebook they said that the best way to kind of limit this is to just completely do away with the reshare button because then it like stops the spread, so to speak. It kind of amplifies and multiplies a post if there's a reshare button because it can go around to just more and more people and more and more networks. Uh, Facebook said, heck no, we're not getting rid of the reshare button. Heck no. Again, <laughs> that limits their bottom line. So they're not going to do that. It hurts business. But they did say that they will do testing and work on potentially de-emphasizing MSI. I don't, we'll see what happens. I don't, I'm not optimistic, but um, yeah. So if you've noticed a difference in what you've seen on Facebook or on Instagram, it's the outrage algorithm. I yeah. haven't, but I don't know why this triggered me. But when you said the engagement thing, I thought of this, it's not really a trend, but I've been seeing it a lot more lately. I know our hot takes 
episode was a few episodes back, but I just have to add this in there. You know, those pictures where like, let's say, let's, let's say Annabelle got engaged and I came to visit her. And this was the first time I'm seeing her with the ring on her finger. It, and it's me holding your hand out with the ring on it. I hate those. Those are so stupid. They're so tacky. Like they are, you didn't buy that damn ring. Yeah, I don't know. Like, it's just people wanting to show off their bling. I under- Engagements are exciting. I understand taking and posting pictures of that. But, like, even in, like, marriage photos, like, people on their wedding day will do one where, like, the bride is like, I got my hand out. Look at my ring. It's like. It's not even the bride doing it. It's the friends posting pictures holding the fiance's ring. I'm like, you did not pay for that. You have no role in this relationship. Why are you bragging about it like that? I'm sorry. I just, that, <laughs> I, I've seen a lot of those in the past few months. And I'm like, why? Why are we doing this? I'm sorry. I didn't mean to trigger you with that. No, I, was no, trying to show, it's okay. I was trying to show a positive example of like MSI. Also, um you talking about Facebook's negative impact on teenagers. Did you see that they recently paused a tactic to begin developing an Instagram specifically for children? I did. I did. I thought about covering that, but the the story here is too long to get. No, 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 you're fine. I just like that. That's been on my mind this week because we've been covering it. And I was like, Mm -hmm. oh yeah. Yeah, no, that's definitely happening. They were going to roll out an Instagram specifically for children and they've, they've paused it. Good. Um, Let's not. Children probably shouldn't be on social media. Um, They should not. So to wrap up the Facebook story here, this is a hundred percent the most serious of not even the flaws, just like of the crop that goes on on Facebook's platform. So there's some serious illegal activity that happens on Facebook human trafficking is a very persistent problem. Like people have been bought and sold on Facebook. Yes. Um, and Facebook has known for years that this is happening, which is super scary. And they really haven't done anything effective to stop it. They've tried to do some things, but they've not done anything to like shut down the problem. Um, so there's something in the UAE called Op Dubai, which is a sex trafficking ring that operates like completely on Facebook. And basically the way that they operate is they can use ads and they use Facebook's ads and target them to men who would, you know, want the services of sex workers. So they would kind of, they use like certain hashtags and, you know, buzzwords and stuff like that to get their clients on Facebook. But then they also use Facebook accounts and Facebook groups to target women as recruits, quote unquote, for the work but they're actually, you know, victims. Yes. They they basically are using the ads as like, oh, come to the UAE. You can get high paying work. And people who are in need of money are like, I'll go to the UAE and I'll, you know, I'm happy to work. Like I just sign me up, you know, and they find it on Facebook. So they trust it a little bit because they're on the platform regularly. Yeah. And a lot of these women are falling into sex work that they're forced to do which is really scary and highly illegal and obviously not what they signed up for so and it's screwed up because facebook is obviously making money off of these ads because op dubai and similar businesses are using the ads and paying for them to kind of get their business going and there's nothing wrong with using facebook ads to get your business going but when it's a sex trafficking ring that's a little bit different Mm -hmm. so 
but Facebook didn't report these to the embassies or local authorities once they realized that, you know, women on the platform were becoming victims of sex trafficking. Mm -hmm. So it's very scary. They're, you know, trying to investigate what they're going to do. And they have started donating all of the money that they make on these types of ads to sex trafficking, like, charities. Interesting. But I don't know. It's like, instead of fixing the problem on the front end, you're just like, oh, this happened on our platform. I'm sorry. Like, here's some money. For, like, yeah, I don't know. like shoving it in their face, being like, please don't talk about this anymore. Yeah, like, it's good, obviously, to donate to those charities, but, like, to use the money. Mm-hmm from a problem that is their problem on their platform. I, I don't know. It's like too little too late in my opinion. It's like a, correct. You knew what happened and you, this is how you say sorry for it. I don't know. Yeah. It just seems a little screwed up. Um, There's a very like interesting part of the Wall Street Journal podcast series for this specific, you know, issue on Facebook where they follow a woman who she's from Kenya and then you know, she went abroad to Saudi Arabia to work and she was able to get out of this sex trafficking issue by actually using Facebook because she posted like for help. And, you know, the people who were in her network, like took it to the embassy and they were able to get her out of there. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of a weird example of like Facebook got her into the mess and got her out of the mess. But we won't get into like all the little anecdotes today, but it is, it's very scary that actual criminal activity like that that can affect the lives and well-being of people <laughs> happens on Facebook like body image issues are obviously terrible enough but to sell women into sex trafficking rings really truly terrible so kind of the bottom line and the main takeaway from all of this going on at Facebook is obviously they don't want problems but they're not going to do anything that causes user numbers or the time people spend on the platform to go down because that's how they make money. So I don't want to say Facebook's evil because they're just a business at the end of the day trying to make money, but they have so much power. The problems have obviously caused issues in so many different areas, violence, sex, criminal activity, personal body image issues and development of teens, outrage, just generally speaking. It, it, it can be a really toxic place and Facebook needs to take the necessary steps to kind of make it a safer place for everybody without doing too much like censorship against first amendment rights. Mm -hmm. So that's what I've got on that. That was a little bit of a longer story, but hopefully you guys found it interesting. It's called the journal. If you want to check out the five part podcast series, the Facebook files, it's on Spotify and Apple podcasts, which is where you can find us as well. Oh, shameless plug, shameless plug. All right, so my next story is very, very short, but I added a little bit to it at the very tail end of Annabelle's um, story so we could have something to talk about. Because <laughs> this story is really short. I didn't want to go into every detail of the 74th Annual Tony Awards, which was held September 26th to honor the 2019-2020 season. But Despite less nominees than normally honored, their awards created some new records, and I would like to go over them quickly. The ceremony was held at the Winter Garden Theater, currently empty, but it, it will be the future home to the 2022 revival of The Music Man. Um, normally, the Tony Awards are always held at Radio City Music Hall. Not always, but most famously held there. Mm -hmm. And like I said, less nominees means less people 
coming to the ceremony. So they were like, let's just put it in the Winter Garden Theater for right now. Like it's empty, preparing for next revival. And also a lot of it was also done virtually, I believe. I didn't actually watch it. I just watched the recap. Um, Alanis Morissette's jukebox musical Jagged Little Pill led nominations with 15, ultimately winning how many, Annabelle? I don't know. Give me a number. Five. Two. Ooh, okay. I know. I was like, you nominated for 15, but you only won two. I guess that's a good thing for like spreading, spreading out the awards. I can appreciate that a little bit more. Mm-hmm. I have heard like some mixed reviews about Jagged Little Pill because they, I believe they attempt to address, you know, sexuality as well as gender identity. And I, if I remember correctly, they haven't done in the most, done it in the most graceful of ways. So I'm not going to sit here and be like, yay, drag a little pill, but I do enjoy Alanis Morissette's music. So fair enough. Slave plays 12 nominations broke the record for the most non-musical nominations set by angels in America in 2018. And I did some research because obviously with a name like slave play, you're going to catch a lot of people's attention very interesting concept for a show i don't know if i would go to see it with your parents mm-hmm. because if i i looked it up a long time ago if i remember correctly it's about like these three couples that go to like sex therapy and they're hold on let me make sure three interracial couples undergoing quote this is what they use antebellum sexual performance therapy unquote because the black partners no longer feel sexual attraction to their white partners Hmm. so it's very heavy it's very a lot Mm -hmm. so if you if you want to go see it i'm i believe it's still is it still on broadway right now probably not because of the break but you can go read a synopsis like i did on wikipedia (laughs) That's what I always do for shows that I can't afford to go see. I just go look up the synopsis on Wikipedia and act it out in my head, in my imagination. Nice. Um, Like I said, they broke the record for the most non-musical nominations with 12. Annabelle, how many did they win? One. None. Ooh. Yeah. I was like, that sucks. Um, previous nominee Peter Gallagher attended the ceremony with his daughter Catherine who was nominated for her performance in Jagged Little Pill she did not win unfortunately but I thought it was really cute how an established name in the entertainment industry and a former Tony nominee himself was able to escort his daughter to um, her ceremony he was nominated back in 1986 for his performance in Long Day's Journey into Night and I'm sure, you know, Peter Gallagher is one of those people where I don't know them by name, but as soon as I see his face, I'm like, oh, that white man. Nice. <laughs> that one, him with the eyebrows. Um, Lois Smith is now the oldest individual to win an acting Tony. Annabelle, how old was she when she won for her performance in The Inheritance this past weekend? Was she old? Is she older or younger? She's the oldest individual to ever win an actor oh, Tony Award. Okay, okay. Um, 82. She is 90 years old. Good Lord. <laughs> Good for her. We, we support. And she she honestly looks great. I was like, she's 90? 
damn. Um, All right, go for her. <laughs> this is my favorite headline from the entire award ceremony. Aaron Tvet, who is a very well-known name in the musical theater community, he won his first Tony Award. Yay! Woo-hoo, good for him. Guess who he was up against? I don't know. No one. Oh, <laughs> so he won by default. I'm sorry. I don't but it's it's a win, damn it! It's a it win. is a win. It doesn't have to be a pretty w. Was, it's just a w. Only he was the only person nominated in, I believe, best featured actor in a musical, and it was for his performance in Moulin Rouge. I'm very excited for him. He's low key very sexy. Not gonna lie, mm. I've I've been familiar with him. He's um homeboy from Les Misérables. Oh, okay. Movie. Jean Valjean. No, the, the revolutionary one with the blonde hair. Marius. No, that's Eddie Redmayne. <laughs> oh, the little kid. No. <laughs> Wait. He's the, he's the one that's literally like leading the revolution. He like oh. wears a red coat and has like blonde hair. Hold on. Let me, I got I forgot that guy's name. I did too. I feel so sad. <laughs> he was honestly one of the best parts of the movie, in my opinion. That's my opinion. Enjolras, El- Enjolras, Enjolras, the leader of the, the revolution. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, that guy. Yeah. He's the one, spoiler alert for anyone who hasn't seen the 2012 epic Labemans Rob. He's the one who's like standing in the window and the people shoot at him and he falls like halfway out the window with the flag yeah. in his hand. He dies. Yeah. I knew he died. I couldn't yeah. remember the name though. I haven't seen that movie in a while. That movie is a commitment. It, it really is. And I honestly, I remember going to see it with my friends and I ha- not hated every second of it, but I was over it very quickly. I, that- I loved it the first two times I saw it, but after that, two I went- times. Okay, so I saw it with my family, and then like this boy in tenth grade asked me to go see it with him because we were reading it in our English class, and that that may have been—I don't know if that was my first date or like one of my first dates—but it was like that's an incredibly awkward first date because a movie dates suck, yeah, generally speaking, and then b that's like almost three hours of silence. It's it's literally you don't really know that well. Two hours and thirty-eight minutes long. Yeah, no bueno. Uh, zero out of ten. Recommend that. Yeah. But uh, I was over that movie really quickly. Like I was like, I hate everyone in this <laughs> except Eponine. Eponine was the only person I liked, and she mm-hmm. died. Spoiler yeah. alert once again. <laughs> okay, seven-time Tony Award nominee Danny Burstein won his first trophy for his performance in Moulin Rouge this weekend. Yay for him! He was previously nominated for performances in The Drowsy Chaperone, South Pacific. Ooh, that's a good musical. I was about to say Annabelle's favorite. Cabaret, Follies, Fiddler on the Roof, and Golden Boy. So he's got some very notable titles under his name, and I'm, I'm happy for him. I was like a seven-time nominee, finally, finally getting the reward. That's pretty much all I had for the, uh, for the actual ceremony. And then I was just listing how many shows I've seen on Broadway. Mm-hmm. And then because I was a thespian for anyone who didn't know, I wrote down all the shows that I've been in and I, I did plays and musicals. So, so the shows I've seen on Broadway starting in, I believe 2007, I saw Hairspray on Broadway before it closed. Mm-hmm. 
magical. And I'm pretty sure the guy who was playing Link Larkin at the time was Matthew Morrison from Glee. He played Lieutenant Cable in South Pacific before he was on Glee. And I went to see South Pacific on Broadway with my family in the sixth grade. And it was like two weeks after he left to go be um, so you didn't Mr. Schuster. No, oh, I, bar- I just missed him shoot that's like my my dad went to go see anything goes and it was like a week after Sutton Foster had left and I was like oh because she's from my hometown fun fact oh cool um or born there she wasn't raised there but she was born in shout out states bro um newsies I saw on Broadway I had to convince my parents to go see it because they were like what is so fantastical about a a musical about a paperboy strike and I was like oh just you wait Mm-hmm. <laughs> just you wait and literally after the first number my dad like pulls on my like sweater or something he was like I'm glad we're here well <laughs> I was like exactly it's good showmanship it's dancing it's theater I've also seen sister act with Patina Miller in it she has had an illustrious career on and off Broadway most notably I believe she is I don't, I believe it's not on air anymore, but she was one of the reoccurring supporting characters on Madam Secretary. Okay. And I was like, oh shit, we've seen her on Broadway. That's pretty cool. Kinky Boots, I have seen on Broadway with Billy Porter. That's Cindy Lauper's musical, isn't it? It is, yes. And Billy Porter is just as magnetic on stage as he is on screen. He was amazing. I like, and I saw it in like 2018. So this was like right before like Pose blew up. Like people, people in the musical theater world knew about Billy Porter, but like people in mainstream culture didn't really know him by name. So it was really cool to see him before he like really blew up. Mm-hmm. And he was great. I, I enjoyed him thoroughly. And the last one I saw was Wicked. Nice. Seem Wicked on Broadway. Worth seeing. I know a lot of people are like, it's overrated. It's not. No, it's pretty good. good. Pretty good stuff. And now I'm going to take a trip down high school lane, uh, middle school lane too, honestly, and (laughs) tell Annabelle all about the shows that I was in growing up in local theater. (laughs) She knows about some of these. I was in Hairspray. I played an ensemble cast member. (laughs) Nice. Because I was 12. I was in Scrooge the Musical, which is an adaptation of A Christmas Carol. I played Mrs. Dilber, who is literally just a background character who has like one line at the very beginning of the show and then ensemble cast. You'll see a theme here. Grease, which was my first ever uh, local community theater production. I was ensemble cast. You were robbed. You should have been, you should have been Rizzo. It just really sucked because like growing up, you think like, oh, it's local theater. You'll have all these opportunities. No, like they give the, they give the positions to all these like 40 year olds. Like, I'm not kidding. I believe the girl who played Frenchie, the girl, the woman, she was like married and had a child. Good Lord. (laughs) Yeah, it was, it, it kind of sucked. Not gonna lie. And what (laughs) though? I'm going to be petty for a second. The worst part about Greece was during the dance moment, the moment, the, the big dance scene, mm-hmm. the sock up, the sock. Yeah. I was the only one without a partner. Oh, 
Melissa literally like dancing on stage. And I was like, can we like swap out at least? And they were like, no, like just look like you're having fun by yourself. And I was like, I'm literally the only person on stage without a partner. That's upsetting. Why did they should have just taken you out of the scene then? Cause it would look lopsided too. Really? Right? Literally, literally. Well, they needed me for the hand dry. <laughs> I'm going to have to find, there's a picture of me. Like, I don't know what was going on in my head, but there's a picture of me with my hands on my hips during that scene in the musical. And you can tell I'm pissed. Um, I was also in the ensemble cast of white Christmas that was more fun because the adults actually treated us like human beings. Well, that's important. All the other local theater things like hairspray was a nightmare because all the people were divas and they thought they were much more talented than they actually were. And they mm-hmm. treated the kids like crap, but white Christmas was a lot of fun and it took place during the Christmas season. Uh, amazing. I was in much ado about nothing. I played Ursula, the maid, <laughs> And me, me and my friend who played like, is it Don Juan or Don Julia? One of the Dons. There's a lot of them in that show. We came up with like a story about how me, the poor maid, fell in love with the the rich Don Juan guy. And then at the end of the show, in our mind, we got married. <laughs> you should have had a spinoff show. We no, we like we transversed the 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 canon. Um, I was in the witches. I played the grandmother and I dyed my hair and I learned not dyed my hair actually, but I like spray painted my hair silver. And I learned how to knit for that performance. Very nice. Thank you. I was a method actor. I was in Romeo and Juliet. I played Tybalt, a lot of cross-dressing in high school. So (laughs) you were a method actor then I, yeah, no, I, I, I bound my chest with ace bandage, which looking back, that is very unsafe to do. Kids don't do that. But, um, yeah, I did that for Romeo and Juliet. I learned how to fence too. I was actually a really good fencer in high school. Fun fact. All right. Midsummer night's dream. I played King Oberon Macbeth. I played a dead King and Rudolph the red nosed reindeer. My favorite role I ever played. I played Yukon Cornelius with a giant pickaxe. I love that. Wait, you didn't talk about your role in Chicago. Oh, that, well, I was, it was, it was more or less just a performance of cell block tango. Like it wasn't the full thing, but yes, I did. Oh, okay. Play, um, what's her name? Hunyak. I played the yep. Hunyak. The and, Hungarian, yeah. Yes. In the a performance of Cell Block Tango I did with my friends and I learned all of the Hungarian lines and I still can recite them to this day. So uh-uh, not guilty. I'm gonna be in Georgia in a few days. Woo! We're so excited. Trying not to freak out about traveling by myself during a pandemic. It's fine. I'm fine. We're gonna survive. No, you'll be great. What about you? I kind of used that as mine last week, but it's yeah, getting did. closer. So I don't, I, I don't know if I could use it again, but um, my current, no, I'm not going to say that because I'm not going to jinx them. Um, I'm going to a baseball game this week, which I'm excited about. I haven't been to a Braves game in a couple months. So let's go Bravos. What? Why are you laughing at me? I don't know. I'm sorry. I don't know what that was. I'm tired. I woke up at 730 this morning, my time, and I couldn't go back to sleep. So I've been up since 730. Yeah, it's early for you. Yeah, it is. All right, All right everybody. <laughs> Jinx, you, you owe me, me a, a sweet Coke. tea. You owe me a lemon lime seltzer. Okay. <laughs> we don't drink soda. <laughs> we don't. We don't.
Well, thanks everybody for listening and tuning in this week. We will not be back next week because Alyssa's here in Georgia. So we'll see you guys in two weeks with more stories. Oh, and I better expect some birthday wishes coming my way on Monday. I forgot to add that in my smile file. My birthday's coming up. That's right. October 4th, Alyssa is our resident Libra. So let's get it. The best sign. (laughs) We love our fellow air signs. We do. (laughs) And thanks for listening, everybody. We'll catch you guys soon. Have a good week. Yay!